Hi everyone, I'm Sophia. And I'm Prerak. And this is Red, White, and Brown, a podcast where we talk about the joys and struggles of being Desi immigrants. So today's topic is something that is at the heart of today's generation and has been making the news consistently for the last few years. And I'm going to link a bunch of these articles. There's a lot uh, below because the New York Times has been talking a lot about this. But the topic is that of the creator economy. So for anyone who does not know what this is, we need to start with the definition. So Sophia, what is a creator economy? So the creator economy is defined as the class of businesses built by over 50 million independent content creators, curators, and community builders, including social media influencers, bloggers, um, videographers, like a bunch of other, you know, all the people. Yeah, a bunch of other content creators as well as well as the software and finance tools designed to help them with growth and monetization. (laughs) If you pulled that out of the top of your head, I would have been so surprised, but I'm pretty sure that's a definition, right? Yeah. (laughs) I did not. But it's basically just content creators and sort of like the infrastructure of, you know, that they're working in. Yeah. So Instagrammers, TikTokers, YouTubers, those are all part of the creator economy, right? Mm-hmm. So now that we have hit the basics, let's chat a bit more about why this is important. And then from there, we're going to chat near the end of this podcast as to how it's relevant for the Desi lifestyle, because after all, this is red, white, and brown. So without further ado, why don't you first start, Sophia? Tell me a bit about you know why is the creator et- economy important? Well, I think... The reason this topic is relevant to our podcast and important is just because being a YouTuber or Instagrammer or TikTok creator is now the dream job of so many kids. Like, I don't know how much you talk to, you know, kids and the youth (laughs) these days, but... What is a kid nowadays? Like 15 to 20, maybe? Because I'm like almost 30. I would say like, I'm, I'm talking about like... 12-year-olds to, like, high school students. Interesting. Um, But, yeah, like, we can link an article that kind of backs up what I'm saying. But it's like when we were young and you would ask kids, like, what do they want to be when they grow up? They would say, like, firefighter, nurse. Or, like, if they were really ambitious, they would say they want to be the president or, like, a professional basketball player, things like that. But it is so different now. Like, kids are wanting to be YouTubers. They're wanting to grow up and be like a TikTok creator. And do I really blame them? I mean, content creation can be really fun, especially when you're talking about things that you're passionate about. And, you know, imagine being able to just support yourself financially doing the things that you enjoy, right? Like that sounds like a great career. Exactly. And it's funny that you say basketball player because that is literally what I wanted to be when I wanted to grow up in third grade. Everyone was like, what do you want to be? And I said, I'm going to be the first Indian basketball player. (laughs) <laughs> I did not make it. But, you know, anyway, uh, you know, you that you have the metaverse, you have NFTs now, you have Facebook that has rebranded itself to Meta because they are going headfirst into this world of everyone living digital first. Mm-hmm. And so it's not crazy to uh, like see why content creation is becoming so big. It allows you to create like this virtual avatar of yourself online and put stuff out there that you enjoy. And also if you really think about it, like being a YouTuber or Instagrammer is almost glamorized because it just seems so nice. Like imagine being paid thousands of dollars to make like a fun video with your friends. Like if you watch like the Ace family, for example, on YouTube, that family just records its like day-to-day life 
and get paid gets paid like millions of dollars. Like wow. it, it just sounds amazing to be able to just do that, like record my life and like get paid millions to do it. So <laughs> it's like a solid deal, right, Sophia? Yeah, I mean, I get why it's appealing, and I feel like it's similar to how you know some kids dream of growing up and becoming an actor just because it looks kind of fun and easy. Like mm-hmm. obviously, some kids are really into theater and they're passionate about acting, and they've like worked hard to build that skill. Uh, but there's a lot of kids who have never acted before and they're not part of theater, but they just say that they want to be an actor because it seems glamorous and fun. But obviously, we wouldn't be talking about this because that's not the whole story, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, given that we both kind of dabble in the content creation space and are part of the creator economy, I figured we might be in a position to talk about this subject and clear up some misconceptions and maybe share our thoughts on the trend of younger people, including young Desi Americans, um, having this desire to enter the creator economy. And we 100% support that. We hope that when you listen to this podcast and you're Desi, you come out being able to be a better content creator. But with that, I think we need to first share why Sophia and I are, are a bit credible in terms of talking about the creator economy because we do things outside of this podcast. So before we kind of do that, uh, why don't we, you first start, Sophia, and tell me a bit about how you've engaged with the creator economy. Yeah. So aside from this podcast, I have an Instagram page. Um, It's at this girl, Sophia, or oh my God, it's at this girl named Sophia. Oh my God. (laughs) At this girl, Sophia. I I just forgot. I just forgot my own (laughs) handle. Clearly, I'm I'm not the best content creator. Yeah. Um, But I have about 50,000 followers. Um, I also have a blog and I talk about, you know, student life, fashion, budgeting, makeup, things like that. We'll link um, the blog and the Instagram in the show notes. And, you know, it is something I have monetized, which is nice because I've been a student for the last nine years. So it's it's nice to have some sort of income. And it's also nice to have had a creative outlet and kind of be able to learn a lot about website development and things like that through the process. So um, that's that. How about you? Yeah, so I do um, some content generation as well in a few different ways. So the first and uh, most important one is just I have a YouTube channel. Um, you can just pre-rack Juthani on YouTube and you'll see uh, my channel. It's around 31,000 subscribers, 3 million views, and also is something that I've been able to monetize through ads. And so it provides a nice bit of cash every month through passive income. Um, and then another thing I do every week is this thing called like Health News Around the World, which is its own podcast that I have done with like another MD doc. And we, you know, host a weekly show where we discuss the biggest health news every week. And I think we have around like one to 2,000 people who come. Uh, and so both of those things are like things that I, I think make me pretty valid creator and, and have told me a lot about the creator economy. So both of these ventures have also gotten a lot of grant funding and it's something that I'm like working to develop. That's awesome. And clearly you're a better content creator than me because you remembered the name of your YouTube channel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, with so given that we've kind of talked about the experiences that we have, I think we could dive into some of the misconceptions that young folks might have about the creator economy. Um, do you want to start by pointing out like a misconception that comes to mind? Yeah. So misconceptions is a great place to start because I think the problem with today's generation is everyone sees the good, but no one has seen the bad. And I unfortunately have had pretty good experience with the bad. So the biggest misconception I want to address is that it in overall, it's the creator economy is not a get rich scheme. So the misconception here is that people assume it is a get rich scheme that like you can do very easily to get rich. But the truth is that that's almost 
never going to happen, right? Like individuals get really famous, like Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Rae are known to be like overnight TikTok influencers. And everyone loves that story because they're like, oh my God, that could be, that could be me. They became millionaires and household names overnight. But usually like that is never the case. For every like one Addison Ray or one Charlie D'Amelio, I think there's like millions of creators out there who are putting out incredible work who unfortunately are likely to never even be nearly as acknowledged mm-hmm. as um, Charlie, De- Charlie D'Amelio or Addison Ray. And to be honest, this like reminds me a lot of like any Bollywood movie, right? Like after you watch a Bollywood movie, you're always like, wow, that was awesome. Like I feel like I could be Shah Rukh Khan and like, you know, save the day and save the world from like burning anguish. <laughs> but in reality, like a Bollywood movie is like a best case glamorized scenario. And like chances are it would never really happen in real life, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. And I hate to be like such a, a grouch and be so negative because I – so I loved the movie Gully Boy, but I remember after watching it feeling like, yes, like anything is possible and you can follow your interests. But if you're like living in poor conditions and you want to improve your family's financial situation, like – I don't think that becoming a musician is like the best bet for doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like just when you look at the numbers and the odds of things working out, like I hate to say it, and it's it's such a negative response to such an inspiring movie. Um, but you get what I mean, right? Like you can have music as your hobby, but that doesn't mean you need to bank on a successful career in music to get your family out of poverty. Like that's not the best idea. Yeah. And I actually haven't seen Gully Boy, but I'm assuming it's like a person grappling and getting his his family out of poverty. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait. What's grappling? Where do I say that? You you just said it. Oh, rapping. Rapping. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> what? No, no, no. So yeah, Bollywood and the creator economy are, I think, entirely based on selling the top 1% to the public and making the public feel that it's attainable for them. And by all means, it's very inspiring and I think I love it. But at the same time, it's technically not attainable for everyone, right? Like in theory, everyone can win a lottery and that's why everyone loves being like buying lottery tickets, but not everyone will, statistically speaking. So similarly, anyone can go viral at any time and there is a non-zero chance you could overnight become a millionaire. And that's the beauty of the creator economy. But statistically speaking, it just likely is never going to happen. And because of that, um, I think that's like the hardest truth for people to accept. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you see all the, you know, the people, the Addison Rays and the whatever, Charlie D'Amelio's, but you don't see all the other like thousands of people or millions of people who didn't make it. Exactly. Selection Um, bias. Exactly. Exactly. So another big misconception that I sometimes hear people stating is that, you know, creating content is easy and fun. Like that is a reason that I hear kids citing for why they want to get into YouTube or TikTok. So what do you have to say to that? I agree 100%. That's why I started it. Um, And I think it can be fun, right? Like we all like to think we live very interesting lives and maybe like, you know, recording yourself doing a spicy pepper challenge is fun. But guess what? That's only like 2 to 10% of what being a content creator is, right? Like mm-hmm. then you actually have to like produce the content. You have to edit the content. You have to make sure the audio is decent. Like things we do for this podcast, Sophia, recording is just like, you know, 5 to 30% of it. The other behind the scenes work we do has nothing to do with the actual creation. Mm-hmm. And so – 
the problem is that people think it's fun. And yes, part of it is, but there's a lot more to it. And here's the really sad part. Even if you do all of these steps right, 100% of the time you produce well, you edit well, you um, you know, do everything perfectly, the chance of your video or podcast getting even more than like a thousand views is like a little bit less than 1%. Mm-hmm. So just goes to show you that like, There's so much more involved. And then if you really then think of that with like the return you're going to get, which is like very little traction, generally speaking, it just makes you realize like, wow, this is a very futile industry. What do you think, uh, Sophia? I mean, I I agree. And I I think that, yes, like it is relatively easy to create content, right? Like it's easier to create content than to do a lot of other things. It's easier for me to make content for Instagram than study for our board exams, Like, you can't tell me it's equally challenging to go through med school as it is to create videos or images for social media. And I know that because I've done both, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, yes, it might be easier. And and I think even with all the back-end stuff, like editing and marketing yourself and all that, I think it's still easier than a lot of other jobs. It's easier than being a doctor. It's easier than any sort of, like, manual labor-type job that's physically challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's fun because it uses a kind of different part of the brain. Like you're Mm -hmm. using your creativity. And to be honest, I kind of feel like in the modern world, we don't have quite as many opportunities to do that nowadays. You know, like Mm -hmm. way back when, I feel like you did use your creativity a lot more, um, you know. Drawing or like writing or doing things. But now we don't even like draw or write. Like the last time I used a pencil, honestly, was like a while ago. Like yeah. everything is on the computer now. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like way back when it's like if you wanted to, you know, get new window shades or something, like you might have to make that yourself and like dye mm-hmm. the fabric yourself and like do all these things that, you know, kind of used that creative side of your brain. And there's just a lot less of that now. Well, we have Amazon Prime now. That's why. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I totally agree with you. And I think the um, the dichotomy between like how hard a job is and like the fact that content creation is easier is probably what makes it appealing. But I think the other thing you wanted to talk about were challenges in this space, right, Sophia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Things that kind of don't get talked about enough and could maybe be a deterrent to people entering the space, not because we want to deter people, but just because I want, you know, the youth to be informed. The youth to be informed. You are (laughs) sounding like your mom. (laughs) Have you even met my mom? (laughs) But I assume she would say. You you just imagine that she would say that. She probably would say that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in in hopes of informing the youth, uh, let me just say the challenges. The first is the fact that at the end of the day, being a content creator is almost like being an entrepreneur. And if you ask any like logical person, one of the most risky jobs on this planet, it's being an entrepreneur, right? Like to take a risk, to put all your eggs in one basket and like venture out to do something you love. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But at the same time, you're also probably not going to have a salary. You consistently have to figure out how to do new things. Like, for example, with my YouTube channel, I never knew how to edit a video. I didn't know how to make thumbnails. I didn't know how to do graphic design. I didn't know, like, what are the steps to put something on YouTube and how do you advertise? Like, at every step, you're learning things that you never really knew how to do. And because of that, like, it's this continuous journey of, like, being very uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. getting comfortable being uncomfortable, like, all the time. Uh, And that's definitely been a challenge for me and kind of accepting that because medicine is kind of the opposite. Medicine is like a very like well laid out path. It's like if you do this, this will be the result. Whereas like being a content creator is like 
there is no right answer. You kind of have to figure out what's going to be your special sauce on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is like if you are being an entrepreneur full time, it's like there's no 401k, right? Like You're responsible <laughs> for like all of that. There's so much that goes into it that um, I think people don't think about. But another kind of um, challenge that comes to mind is that I think a lot of the higher tier content creators are experts in their field outside of social media. And I think that's a good thing. Um, and for example, like there are plenty of dermatologists who are on YouTube and Instagram and they have large audiences. And I think that's awesome because like they truly are the experts and it's great that they have a platform to reach people. And I think that is going to kind of become more common. And I think that people in general are going to get better at being able to identify like who's scamming them and who is a legit expert. And maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think that as we all get just more experienced being on social media and consuming content, we are going to all get a little bit more savvy. What do you think? I really hope so because I think we've talked about this before and we personally think there are a lot of people on uh, Instagram and YouTube who may not be as knowledgeable as like they're making themselves out to be. Oh, yeah. And I think because <laughs> of that, people are getting scammed, right? And it's un and it's kind of unfair, but I hope the market eventually comes up with a good solution. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Prerok and I have a lot of thoughts on this. Maybe if something like a bit of our conversation from before isn't too incriminating, I'll, I'll insert that here. I'll, I'll like block out some names or something. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we actually have that recorded. You're we right. have it recorded, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, that's I exactly the guy I was thinking about. I, that's so exactly much. the guy I was thinking about when I was like, there's so much people just putting out bullshit now that like people feel this need to be productive. He is such a scammer. He, dude, he doesn't know. Like, and he's not. The funny part is he's not even the worst of it. Like, there are people really? like, do you know that? He is a little bit like taking advantage of like pre-meds who like don't know that much. Yeah. And like, he's. I don't know. I feel like stuff that you do or like that I do or a lot of other people do, it's like they're putting out information and it's free and it's just like hopefully like people are helped by it and it's kind of democratizing like information. It's not like gatekeeping it like, oh, you need to pay me to like help you with this. We yeah. kind of just talk very generally and like share our experiences and like that actually helps students who like don't know and don't have like parents who like, you know, maybe they're first gen and they don't like know how it works and yeah. stuff. But like to be like, oh, like, pay me to do this. It just, like, reinforces the same systems Yeah. where people with resources are able to get into, like, you know, these institutions and then the kids without resources aren't able to. It widens the gap. Yep, exactly. Yeah, like, you're not helping anyone by doing that. You're just making money for yourself. Um, so, great. Uh, now that we've incriminated several individuals, let's move on to the next topic. Sophia, do you think it's possible to get super rich off of Instagram and YouTube if that was your only career? Like possible? Yes, technically anything is possible. Um, mm -hmm. But I think where I was going with kind of like what I was saying before is that I don't think you can just make your entire career out of YouTube or Instagram anymore. I think it's going to become less common mm -hmm. just because I do think there is going to be more of an expectation to become an expert in your field and gain like credibility outside of social media first, kind of like the dermatologist that I mentioned, mm -hmm. and then bring that expertise 
and experience to your platform. Yep. Um, and maybe I, I think like for some fields, this isn't true. Like I think for comedy and stuff, like you can, you know, if you're good at what you do and you're really funny, like, yeah, go straight to social media. Sure. Um, but I think for content creators in a lot of other spaces, um, I do think it's going to become more necessary and more common to like have that expertise uh, offline. So, Sophia, the thing, the business term for what you just described is a competitive advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So, when someone has expertise, that prevents other people from copying what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. if I'm a doctor and I and I make medical content, then it's like, wow, they had this person has the credentials to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you're not and you're just saying something, then what's to prevent any other person off the street from doing the same thing, right? Yeah. So that's like the competitive advantage. The other thing is when you're credible, people will trust what you say. And when people trust you, that's like the first hallmark of um, the creator economy. When Mm -hmm. you don't have that uh, trust, it's very easy to lose credibility. Um, And then the last thing I'm going to just say is you also have to be very consistent on the creator economy. Like it's very easy to think that you're going to post today and then post every day. But, you know, most people can't even stick to it for more than a year. I've been doing it for five years. And that's ultimately what's like led me to 30,000. But that was consistency over five years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the consistency piece cannot be understated. Um, I think another point that I want to raise is just that I don't think there's as much awareness about the fickleness of fame these days thanks to social media. And what I mean is like it's easier to get famous, but being famous doesn't mean quite as much. Like, you know, you can be famous today and forgotten tomorrow. And I think the best example of this is like reality show stars, like contestants on The Bachelor, Mm. because like – you know, the girls who go on The Bachelor, they will gain like hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. They'll get really famous while their season is airing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And like once the season is done, it's like, yeah, you have these like Instagram followers, but like, is that going to be enough to sustain you for the rest of your life? Like, no, you're probably still, you know, you can't live on the fame of being on a reality TV show for the rest of your life. Especially not like 20 years down the road, right? Exactly, exactly. And the other thing I want to point out with, with what you're saying is, this aspect of fame being so fickle has created this desire to chase fame. So people who are relevant will then do crazier and crazier things sometimes to stay relevant. So if you've ever been on YouTube, you'll see that YouTubers consistently do this thing, which is called clickbaiting, where they'll make the title something like atrocious, or they're continuing to do like crazier and crazier things just so they stay relevant. And sometimes that leads to this like this faith and trying to do things for the sake of getting views rather than doing things for the sake of like actually wanting to do things that you're interested in. Um, so that's just like my two cents on the whole piece because I think it creates this like malincentive to just pursue things that are totally not worth your time, like views and fame. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I also think there's something to be said for the idea of like, if you have a hobby, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to turn that hobby into your career, right? Like it's okay to just enjoy doing something and have it just be a hobby Mm -hmm. like i really enjoy reading does that mean i need to become like a professional book (laughs) reviewer like probably not right i mean i i like fashion and makeup and like i've kind of turned you know social media and instagram and whatnot into a way to like dabble in those industries but like it's perfectly fine to just have those things be a hobby and like not everyone can monetize everything right 
Yeah, I think there are definitely things that can and should be done for the sake of doing them, and you don't have to be doing them to consistently monetize them, right? Like, it makes me think again of this aspect of toxic productivity because、mm-hmm. people are always trying to do something. Like, hey, why should I just like read this book if I can't tell anyone I read it, or why should I read this book if I'm not going to get anything out of it?、Um, with that being said. When you do things for the sake of doing them, I think there is an externality. It's an economic term for like a like result that we don't always consider. But for me, I run a lot, and the externality of running is like I don't run to like inspire people. I just run for myself. But the crazy part is, every time I finish my run, I feel thirty times better than when I started.、Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that for me, and I'm sure like when you read, you probably feel a little bit better than like before you read, right? Like there, you get some joy out of it, and when you get that joy. You can then attack other tasks with a different mindset that you may not have had before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I and I think that when you try to monetize everything or turn every little hobby into, you know, a business, a business, <laughs> it takes the joy out of it. Exactly. And sometimes you want you should do things just because they bring you joy. So great, great conversation. But I wanted to. Now pivot and end the show by discussing some of the most incredible content creators within the Daisy American space because this is our podcast and it's focused on Daisy Americans.、Um, and obviously, we want this podcast to be something that you all listen to, but this is not the only thing that's out there. There are several other accounts that we think are doing a great job of bringing light to the Daisy American experience. So the first one that I wanted to give a shout out to the handle is Ride Daisy. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I hope I am. <laughs> yeah, we'll link it. Yeah,、uh, and this account, I honestly don't know who runs it, but there's always this back and forth between us and them because they're like the most creative. Like we're on the same page. We share the same mission of bringing light to the Daisy experience, and I just love what they put out. And they not just they don't just put out like funny memes. But their memes are actually very educational because sometimes they talk about the intersection of like history and the Daisy culture. So let me like show you a meme. It's going to be linked in the description. But、um, this is like a tweet, and it says, "Gorgeous, gorgeous girls see stars when they stand up." And then it kind of makes this like arrowhead, and it says, "They are anemic."、Um, and I think this again, Sophia, you can talk more about this. But there's this like like hidden truth that like most brown girls are anemic is that isn't that what kind of this is getting to in this aspect of a shared experience among that group? Yeah, and this like gorgeous gir- gorgeous girls thing is like、uh, it's like some common meme. Reference, like that's why that's、yeah. why they're saying that. But、um, <laughs> yeah, there definitely is a, a stereotype that they see girls are anemic.、Yeah. Um, I think probably like vegetarian girls more are,、so. are more likely to be anemic. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> All right, and then in terms of other Daisy American creators who I think are going to become a big deal very soon.、Um, There's this girl Nicole Mehta that comes to mind. That's that's what her handle is. It's just Nicole Mehta.、Um, I think she's going to be a big deal in the fashion world.、Um, and then at the Chutney Life is definitely <laughs> a big deal in the cooking world. Like she has so many great recipes. So I think、um, I wouldn't be shocked if she like gets her own cooking show or something one of these days. But. I think this about wraps us up. What do you think? I think so. I'm gonna have to check out both of those accounts. I don't. I don't know about either of them. But yeah, I definitely encourage all of you guys to check them out. Also, we'll link everyone in the show notes.、Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and give us a 
rating and review. Um, follow us on Instagram at redwhitebrownpod, and we will see you next time. 